1: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everybody. Stuff You Should Know is going on tour. Do, 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 do.
2: What are the deets, my friend?
1: Okay, so starting August 8th in Toronto, that's in Canada. We're going to be at Danforth Music Hall and then Chicago. We're going to be there the next night, August 9th, at the Harris Theater.
2: Yeah, Chicago. We want to see your faces.
1: Step it up. Step
2: it up. Vancouver, the Vogue Theater, September 26th. That's going to be a great show, I think, don't you?
1: It's going to be a great one.
2: And then Minneapolis at the Pantages Theater, where we've been before. It's lovely, September 27th.
1: Yeah, and then we're going to swing down to Austin. It's going to be during Austin City Limits, although it has nothing to do with Austin City Limits. We'll be there October 10th.
2: Yes, and then we're going to lovely Lawrence, Kansas. Go Jayhawks Yeah, on October 11th. And hey, if you're in Kansas City or anywhere in that area, this get, is your chance.
1: Get in your car. Yeah. Uh, if uh, you are anywhere near Brooklyn, well, then you should go to the Bell House October 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. We'll be there all three nights.
2: And finally, we're going to wrap it up here in Atlanta at the Buckhead Theater on November 4th for a benefit show where we are donating all of the monies to Lifeline Animal Project of Atlanta and the national down syndrome society
1: yep so for all this information again visually and for links to tickets just go to sysklive.com
0: welcome to stuff you should know from howstuffworks.com hey
1: and welcome to the podcast how are you I'm Josh Clark, there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, there's Jerry, Jerry's got a salad, everything's normal, which means (laughs) it's time for Stuff You Should Know. That's right. Jerry's got the shawarma special, she said. Oh, really? Yep. She loves it. How you doing? I'm good, man. Feeling, despite myself, kind of relaxed. Okay. I'm not feeling feverish if that's what you're driving at. No, that's not what I was driving at. Uh, Yeah, no, I'm not.
2: You get fevers a lot?
1: No. No. Not anymore. Although I haven't for a long time, like, I've never been like a fever person. I've probably had like a handful maybe. How many fevers have you had? I, I,
2: not a ton since I was a kid. Yeah. Not a lot of adult fevers. Right. I mean, I've had like, uh, hip hop fever. I've had <laughs> right? rock and roll fever.
1: Yeah, yellow fever.
2: I've had, uh, the fever for a flavor of a Pringle.
1: Oh man, me too. What are
2: those? Those aren't even potato chips, are
1: they? They're potato crisps. Man, those are good. They're mashed together potato parts. I don't think
2: I want to know how those are made.
1: No. It's like Chicken McNuggets.
2: I think a unicorn just poops them
1: out. Have you seen unicorn pizza? It's a little much. What is it? There's a restaurant in New York. uh, I'm not quite sure where. Maybe Lower East Side. They have unicorn pizza. It's like um, dough. Okay, good start. Um, like a nice pastel colored frosting instead of sauce. Mm, Yeah. Um, cotton, a mound of cotton candy. Um, nerds or pop rocks maybe? Oh, good Lord. Um, and then some other stuff. Supposedly it tastes kind of good. I'll eat anything that has enough frosting on it. I like frosting, but I'm not
2: into like sugary candies really.
1: Oh, like nerds and pop rocks and stuff? Nah. You know, I did a brain stuff once on pop rocks. And that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Your tongue actually warms the pop rocks to the point where they melt. And since they have CO2 trapped inside during the manufacturing process, that CO2 suddenly is released in a pop.
2: So it's just a little bubble of CO2. Yeah. That's got to be good for you. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. My, uh, I had a roommate in college. Like, I don't, not many adults eat candy. Like, People eat chocolate and stuff like that, candy bars, but right. like candy candy. I don't know. For an adult, is just a little strange. I guess, don't you think?
1: Yeah. You eat candy? Sure. Like what? F- F- Mentos. Not mint Mentos, like candy Mentos. Oh. I like those.
2: Well, I had a roommate that would go to the convenience store next, and this was college, granted. Right. But he still eats this stuff, I think. Okay. And he would go with like $15 <laughs> and, and buy... You know, like giant sweet tarts. Mm-hmm. You know those big chewable ones, sure. And like uh, fun dip, and nerds, yeah. and just all kinds of candy.
1: Fun dip, Remember, or lickamade?
2: It was the same it's, thing, yeah. I think. Yeah, it was just like a sugar lick stick, the stick that you dip in sugar. Right.
1: <laughs> like I don't have a foot, but I've got my Lick-A-Made. Oh man, can you uh, can you guys out there in podcast land tell we're stalling? Because we are big time. Because we happen upon a topic that no one really knows what's what. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about fever dreams. Mhm. We know about fevers. Yep. Kind of know about dreams. Yeah. But apparently no one's really gotten to work on figuring out what fever dreams themselves are. So it's largely anecdotal. Yeah. So you're going to have to bear with us on this. We'll leave one. it we'll leave that there for now.
2: Yeah. Uh but I guess a good place to start is by talking about both those things separately. Uh, and starting with fevers, mm-hmm. you know, you've always heard 98.6 Fahrenheit is the normal internal body temperature of yeah. a human. Um, that In 92, there was a big study that said it's really 98.2. What? Um, depending on, like, how old you are, what time of day it is, sure. what you're doing, where you, if you put it in your butt or in your, under your armpit or in your mouth or in your ear.
1: Or all of them at once. <laughs> That'd be something else. Yeah.
2: Uh It can vary a little bit. So I think there's a bit of a slight sliding scale to that number.
1: Yeah, for sure. But I think the key is, is it's going to be roughly around there. And even if you have a, an average body temperature that's not exactly 98.6, let's say you typically tend toward 97.5. You run cooler. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, your body temperature still during the average day going to fluctuate plus or minus about a degree Fahrenheit either way.
2: Yeah. So I looked a little bit into the 98.6 and the original, um, dude that came up with that was a, a German physician named Karl Reinhold August Wunderlich.
1: <laughs> that was good. <laughs> That's a good one. When, uh,
2: 1868, he wrote a book. Well, he did a his studies where he had this. Temperature rod, he would stick under the armpits of all these people.
1: He's like, where do you want <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. And everyone once said...
1: <laughs> everyone always says armpit.
2: <laughs> uh, you know the comedian Rory Scovel? No. <laughs> you should just check him out. Okay. He does these weird things, like he'll just do his whole routine with a German accent. Okay. Like for no reason whatsoever.
1: I like the sound of that. And
2: he did one about stealing uh, old people. Like kidnapping old people for the German <laughs> accent. <laughs> he's from South Carolina, I think, but he, he's done shows with like a severe southern accent and uh-huh. then one just normal accent. And right. then he'll do a German thing. He
1: just likes to mess with people? I
2: guess so. He's great. I will
1: check him out. Thanks, He's man. one of my favorites.
2: Uh, so anyway, um, 1868, he wrote a book called, after these experiments, called "Dos Verhalten der Erkenfarmer in Krankenheiten.
0: That
1: is good.
2: And I looked at, it's funny, the real translation I think of that is on the temperature in diseases. But if you type it in, into Google Translate, it comes out as the behavior of the intrinsically warm in sick units. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's the subtitle. Yeah. Like me up. Yeah.
2: So anyway, he's the guy that came up with 98.6 and that stood for a long time.
1: But that's just so, that was just based on his observations, his study. And it's yeah, stuck.
2: it was an average. It wasn't like, this is what you should be. It was just the average of all these people.
1: Right, and then 130 years later, we finally got around to verifying whether that was actually true or not.
2: Well, I mean, it says in 92 that, that they said it was 98.2 from another study, but then everything I still read says 98.6, so...
1: All right. Well, I know what you're talking about, though. I had heard in the last few years that they're like, that 98.6 jazz is kind of yeah. made up. Right. So, um... The point is, is that your body's going to be roughly somewhere around there, right? That's your normal body temperature. Yes. And then depending on the time of day, it's uh, either going to be a little cooler than that or a little warmer than that. Yeah. And our body temperature is regulated by something called the hypothalamus. And like I said, depending on the time of day, your body temperature is going to fluctuate. And that's tied to sleep, apparently. So as your body temperature is rising, usually in the late afternoon is about where it peaks during the day that's associated with wakefulness alertness yeah not necessarily just having a high body temperature but an incline in the temperature in your body yeah means you're awake you're alert you're ready to go right yeah ready for action if it, it, once it starts to decline that's associated with drowsiness and it hits its um it's trough your body temperature is at its lowest right about before you wake up Right. And that's actually associated with REM sleep. Yeah. So there are some some stuff starting to come out. Just bear with <laughs> us, everybody. We're laying the groundwork. So your body temperature changes. The hypothalamus is directing the whole thing. And sleep and wakefulness has something to do. It's related to your body temperature changes. All yeah. right. Good night. You take it from here.
2: Well, you know what? Let's take a break because okay. I'm not sure where I should go. We'll be right back.
0: Purdue's online university for working adults you know you're worth it we do too so don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu rev up your thrills this
3: summer at cedar point on the all-new top thrill 2 drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple launch vertical speedway
2: Uh, you set the stage very nicely. Okay. Uh, so if your body gets, let's say some bad bacteria gets in it. Yeah. And your body is alerted, warning, intruder is right. coming. Uh, your immune system kicks into gear and starts producing uh, this biochemical material called a pyrogen.
1: Okay. This is my new favorite thing the body does.
2: Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, you knew that before, right? Or did you just no. not know the mechanism? I,
1: I mean, I knew humans get fevers, and I knew the fever was to kind of like cook out okay. everything. I didn't understand the mechanism, I All guess, right. to answer your
2: question. Well, take this part then.
1: Oh, yeah? Can I? Yeah. So these pyrogens, right, they are um, – These biochemical markers that are released by the immune system in the body. Yeah. Or, and this is why I love this, there's some bacteria, some pathogens that make humans sick that produce pyrogens naturally. Yeah. So when they show up, they just start releasing them and and they just give themselves away. Yeah.
2: They're, it's, they're big dummies in that way.
1: Right. They're like, hey, where's the party? They kick open the door. Yeah, They're much. carrying like a pony keg under one arm. <laughs> yeah, their gut sticking out. <laughs> yeah. It's just that's that's like that kind of bacteria, right? Uh huh. So the pyrogens enter the bloodstream and they travel to the hypothalamus because remember the hypothalamus controls your um your body temperature. And this is what they do, Chuck. Are you ready for what the pyrogens do? Yes. They go to your hypothalamus and they dampen the um heat sensing neurons in the hypothalamus and they excite the cold sensing neurons in your hypothalamus and they trick your hypothalamus into thinking your body's suddenly gotten very, very cold. Yeah. So that your hypothalamus turns the temperature up and says, Don't let any of this heat out. We gotta we gotta warm back up. It tricks your body uh, your hypothalamus into creating a fever.
2: That's right. And they do this because well, they don't do this because but what happens from there They do this because they're dumb. But what happens from there is, like you said, the fever, what a fever is, and why you want that fever for at least a little while, fever that it does. It's it's trying to cook and burn and bake that bacteria until it dies. Right. It is your body's fighting. Like when you hear, you know, like your fever broke, that's usually a good sign. That means that your fever did its job, and it's cooked all that bacteria up, and you're going to be on the mend soon. Yeah. Uh, so basically that's what's happening. And this is the great thing about a fever, but, um, you know, a fever makes you feel like crap because it's a lot of hard work to kill all those things.
1: Well, it is. There's a lot of, um, your sympathetic nervous system is kicked into high gear, which I found out is one reason why they say you want to feed a cold, starve a fever because you don't want to introduce digestion because it requires the parasympathetic nervous system. Right. Right. Fight or flight. And you don't want those two things going on while your body has a fever. It's just a lot of extra work for it, right? But one of the one of the things that is going on when your body has a fever, when that temperature rises, it's hard enough on your organs, but it's also hard on the level just the fact that they're operating outside of their normal operating temperature. Yeah. And that makes it very hard on them and, and can actually cook some of the ingredients inside your cells.
2: Yeah, I mean it's like working in a too hot of an environment, it's just it's never fun for anyone. Right. Although, I guess some people love that stuff.
1: Yeah, but Desert they're still, rats. they might like it, but they still aren't working fast. Yeah, that's true. You know? They might be happy, but they're yeah. slow.
2: Uh, so, if you have a fever, what's considered a fever now, uh, in 2017, if you're an adult and your oral temperature is above 100.4, or if your rectal or ear temperature is above 101, mm-hmm. then that's considered a fever, uh, if you're a kid, um, good luck getting anything besides the rectal temperature because it's just tough.
1: Uh, you have basically no right. Well, yeah.
2: <laughs> what you have is wiggly kids who aren't like, sure, stick something in my ear for four seconds. Yeah. Uh, but up the, up the uh, kazoo, there's not really anything you can do about that. <laughs> okay.
1: All they can do is say, glaven.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the rectal temperature for a kid above uh, 100.4. And, um, with adults, like, you don't have to really worry about your fever too much. If it, if it tops 105 for, you know, any period of time, mm-hmm. you probably want to do something about that.
1: That's what I saw was the 105 degree Fahrenheit mark was about where you should start to worry. Yeah.
2: As an adult and you're going to feel so awful if your temperature is 105. Yeah. You're, you've probably already been to a doctor at that point.
1: Let's hope so. Uh,
2: for kids, it's different though. You, if, you don't want to let your child get up to 105. That's bad, bad, bad.
1: So what is it for kids that you really want to start worrying about, did you say?
2: Oh, you know what? I'm not exactly sure. I mean
1: – It probably depends on whether you're a first-time parent or this is your second or third kid. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, and it, it varies with the age. You know, it's like zero to 18 months. It's something. And, uh, I got gotcha. you. Like what you should do is
1: – Go follow. consult the, your doctor. Yeah,
2: exactly. But, you know, any kind of temperature you should – for a child, you should kind of be a little more alert about But we're not medical experts here.
1: No, we're not. And everything we're saying assumes that you have healthcare coverage. That's right.
2: Um, all right. So that's fever in general. You got anything else on that?
1: Yeah. One other thing. Um, the, uh, the pyrogens, um, pyro, by the way, that's no mistake. Man, I did have some coincidence. No, it's not. What is it? Latin for fire? Greek word for fire. Yeah. Pyro. Eat. Deaf leopard. Right? Um th- great, great song. It, it really is. Whole, all right, whole album, the whole album, right? The album, yeah. Yeah, they just mentioned it in Rock of Ages. Yeah. It comes right. up. They should have a song called Pyromania. I wonder. But that's pretty cool. It's like the antithesis of your band, your album and your song all being the same name like Big Country. Oh, I love that song. Then. Sure, but it's pretty uncreative. You're basically saying like Here's our basket, and we're going to put every egg we have into it. <laughs> That's yeah. the one one thing we came up with. Yeah. I saw a David Spade bit once, and he he was talking about, he was complaining. It, it wasn't even comedy. He was just complaining that he went and saw Big Country, and they didn't play the song Big Country. No. Yeah. Really? He's like, it's That's the ridiculous. name of your band. It's the one song everybody came to see, and they yeah. didn't play it.
2: He's funny, too.
1: Well, The long, the long and short of it is, is I totally forgot what the other thing I had to say about pyrogens (laughs) was. So I'll probably think of it. Oh, I know what it was. Pyrogens, um, as your immune system grows and ages and you become a grown up, the pyrogens have a a little less of an effect on you. So where if you're a kid and your immune system is young and inexperienced, your fever is going to shoot up quick and it's going to, it's going to get hotter faster. Right. So you do want to stay on top of a kid's fever because oh, yeah, their immune spike. system is not used to pyrogens coming and messing with their hypothalamus yeah, like in yeah. adults. It is.
2: Yeah, it'll spike much faster. That's a good point.
1: That's what I was trying to think of.
2: Yeah, that's true. You need to take that. Uh, need to take that rectal temperature <laughs>
1: way more than you're comfortable with. I don't recall that ever having been done to me. Well, because you don't remember being a baby. No, but my parents were pretty strict, <laughs> pretty stern.
2: No, I mean, by the time a kid is old enough to where you can say, like, hey, put this under your tongue or hold still for a minute while I put this in your ear. Yeah. But pre that, when they're not sentient humans and they're just, you know, crying, whiny little sacks of flesh. I got you. You got to stick it right up the butt. Okay. Carrie's laughing.
1: She almost spit out her shawarma salad.
2: Carrie's done plenty of that, so she knows. Okay, so into dreams. Um I always think we've done a general show on dreams. I think we did, finally. I didn't find it. What? Still? No, I saw Lucid Dreaming. Yeah. Can you control your dreams? Yeah.
1: That's the same thing, wasn't it? I think that was Maybe. the same episode. Maybe, yeah. But that no, is... we we did one on dreams. I didn't see it. Wow. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Well. This contributes to the little by little. Someone will know. Okay.
2: Jill Hurley where are you when we need you <laughs> our statistician the minister of stats right uh all right well we'll talk about dreams a bit here then even though we've explained this in various episodes here and there uh, to some degree but uh dreams you know if you're a psychologist you you really love to spend time talking and dissecting dreams uh, interpreting dreams if you're a um more into the neurology side of science you don't really care about that kind of stuff um, in fact, for many years, uh, they thought it was called activation synthesis hypothesis, which was you go to sleep and all these uh, synapses are just randomly firing right. and they don't really add up to even a story. You just do that when you wake up because right. you're human. Yeah, But that, I mean, that's –
1: Well, you almost get the impression that they came up with this and the neurologists came up with it to stake out their territory in response to years of psychoanalysts saying, this is what dreams are. They're like tapping into the collective unconscious or um, they're your repressed memories. Neuroscience said, no, nothing. Yeah. They're just your stupid wet brain going crazy while you sleep.
2: Yeah, which we all know now is not true.
1: I saw another one, too. What's that? um threat simulation theory have you heard of that one
2: no but that's a great band name
1: basically it's you're training to be a ninja while you sleep like your brain is running threat simulations constantly so that it's like working itself out like getting more and more agile and quick and like like so you can get better at running from a saber-toothed tiger right if you actually encounter it
2: i could see that early on maybe
1: sure and there is an evolutionary advantage to it. So evolutionarily speaking, it would make sense. The point is, it, it, that one came along and was like, no, there's obviously some reason for dreams. It's not just random.
2: Yeah. Well, and then maybe I could have seen that early on, but then at some point, someone around the fire had a dream about Tuktuk's wife and woke up and went, whoa. Right. There was no saber tooth tiger in that dream. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what that meant. <laughs> uh, but I better not tell tuk-tuk, <laughs> right. you know?
1: And then they went, what's a rectal thermometer? <laughs> it hasn't even been invented yet. So
2: uh, these days they've done actual studies um, with <laughs> EEG machines and MRI machines. And uh, especially in Italy, these Italian researchers basically <laughs> put people to sleep. Not put them to sleep.
1: <laughs> in a, a sleeper in hole? They,
2: they lay them down in a nice Italian bed, feed them some pasta fuzzle, Get, and, get
1: out the rectal thermometer.
2: Yep, and they hook them up to all these wires and machines, uh, and then they will wake them up at different points in the night and say, hey, what were you dreaming of? Um, we'd like to talk about it and study what was going on with these machines.
1: Right, and um, they actually, what they found, supports the current, the prevailing theory. I don't think it was their theory. I think it was around, but their research supports it, called um, affect regulation theory, which is basically that we control our emotions or we process our emotions through our dreams. Yeah. And these Italians found support for this in that when they woke people up and asked them what they were dreaming about, Uh the ones who had the best recall were the ones who had the most theta waves in their frontal lobes.
2: Right. Which are slow moving waves, right?
1: Yes. And when you look at an EEG machine, if you looked at those dreamers' brain waves, it looked like the brainwaves of somebody who was sitting there forming and recalling memories. Right. So these people said, that's what they're doing. That's what all of us are doing. While we're dreaming, we're forming memories. We're taking emotions that we've experienced through the day and we're creating memories out of them so we can file them away. So we're processing our emotions and our dreams. That's the point of dreams. That's the current understanding.
2: Yeah and then uh I mean other parts of the brain that have been active all sort of deal with emotion uh whether it's the amygdala and the hippocampus or uh the lingual gyrus which I think we just talked about that in another episode
1: I don't recall can't
2: remember um but they're all areas of the brain that relate to emotion and memory right uh, and some with visual activity and you know, that kind of makes sense. I like that theory.
1: Yeah, and then under that current theory, so that's like the the explanation for regular dreams, and you can't just have a theory for dreams without including nightmares or else your theory's broken, right? Right. So the affect regulation theory considers nightmares um basically uh, it's an emotion that's being put into the process of being of creating a memory, a false memory, right? Mm-hmm. A dream memory I guess you put it, but it's a real emotion, right? And um it's so big it breaks the process and all of a sudden this process of creating a fake memory, a fake experience um goes haywire, and now all of a sudden you're enduring some terrible, horrifying experience because the emotion that was being processed was too big and got out of control, and now you have a nightmare. TS for you. Yeah. I think we
2: did one of night terrors, right? We
1: did, for sure. All right. And sleep paralysis.
2: We've covered it all, I think. I
1: I guess we really haven't done a Dreams one.
2: All right, so let's take another break. We're going to come back and finally talk about Fever Dreams.
0: This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global.
1: You robbed me of a Saturday Night Fever reference. Mm-hmm. I just want to go on record as saying. That I was wrong. So Chuck, here's where everything just kind of goes totally off the rail. <laughs> We've talked about fevers. Mm-hmm. We've talked about nightmares. The problem is really understanding both doesn't necessarily amount to understanding them together right. So knowing what fevers are, knowing what dreams are doesn't mean you know what fever dreams are. but you can make stuff up if you want.
2: yeah and I don't, I'm boy, I don't even think we even said if you've never had a fever dream, you might even know what we're talking about. Oh yeah, I feel kind of dumb at this point in the podcast, but a <laughs> fever dream is um, basically a nightmare on steroids. Yeah. It's just so vivid and so real and scary. Right. Um, that happens, you know, when you are sick with a fever.
1: Yes. Obviously. So they're fever dreams, right? So they are a thing. Yeah. But the scientific literature on them is super thin.
2: Basically non-existent. Kids seem to get them, if not more, at least they stand out more to children. Right. And so anecdotally, people seem to recall having fever dreams more when they were kids. Right. Whether or not that's true or just a, a memory is, uh or, you know, a, a, what do you call it, like a memory bias or whatever? Yeah. That's, no one really knows.
1: Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I mean, we don't really know.
2: Because I don't remember the last time I had a fever, and if I did, whether or not I had a, had a fever dream.
1: I, I don't think I've ever had a fever dream.
2: I did when I was a kid.
1: I don't remember having fever dreams.
2: Yeah. I remember being sick as a kid and having like n- nightmares when I was sick.
1: So like they're noticeably worse than your average nightmare. Yes. Really? Mm-hmm. So would you keep waking up from them?
2: Mm, that I don't remember.
1: See, that's, that's a big question to me. Um, well, let's talk about the anecdotal theory of what is behind fever dreams, right? Okay. So when your body's undergoing a fever, we said that your body's not functioning at its top performance. No. Um And that includes the brain. The brain itself is a, an extremely special organ, if you didn't know already. It, it's <laughs> like, I think, 2% of the body's mass. Yeah. But it requires 20% of the body's energy.
2: Yeah. And the um neurons, compared to regular old dumb cells, uh they they burn or they need about between 300 and 2,500 times more energy right. than a regular old dumb cell in your body.
1: Right. And so when all these chemical processes, when all of this um, energy is being exploited to power cells, um, it produces the byproduct of heat. Yeah. So the brain is super sensitive to overheating, right? Already, yeah. just under normal circumstances.
2: Yeah, and it's generally taken care of... Uh, by by your body, like it's you know the, it's cooled down,
1: right, and regulated, right. So, um, if you have a fever, and your brain is not operating at optimal conditions, but you're asleep, so it's trying to go through its normal processes. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a nightmare, it's entirely possible that that nightmare is going to be far far worse because the normal processes have broken down, mm-hmm. or it's even further possible. Apparently, um, the amygdala is frequently implicated with nightmares because it has to do with being terrified or angry or fearful. Um, the amygdala might be functioning at a abnormal level. Yeah. And is just basically going haywire while you have a fever.
2: Yeah. And then the fact that most dreams occur during REM sleep, and I think that's when your body is warmest. No. During sleep, anyway, right?
1: That's when. See, this is where it all gets kind of hinky. During REM sleep, <clears throat> your hypothalamus says, "I'm done. I'm not working right now," uh-huh. so it stops regulating temperature, which is usually why your body temperature is lowest right before you wake up. Oh, I
2: thought it was highest right before you wake up.
1: No, it's highest in the afternoon while you're awake. It's lowest right before you wake up. I feel like I always wake up hot. You, I mean, you may be like sleeping with too many blankets. Your room I, might be I a little use too warm. No blankets huh or that's, maybe that's, it's
2: my stupid uh you know schedule of my AC
1: it, I mean it could be you know it
2: might have cut off a couple hours before or something
1: right it could be right and so then it fires
2: up after I get up
1: because supposedly um when you are sleeping and you're in REM sleep your hypothalamus is not regulating temperature during that period huh. so if you if you are already hot and remember uh, high body temperature is associated with wakefulness yeah then maybe you are waking up more frequently than you normally would and when you wake up in the middle of a dream you're more prone to remember it if you wake up in the middle of a nightmare it's going to seem even worse than one that you had and woke up normally from
2: yeah i mean i had a series of not nightmares last night but just sort of anxiety dreams and i don't have any anxiety about anything right now i think it was just after reading all this stuff oh yeah uh, i'm just suggestible you had anxiety dreams yeah. Huh. But not about like
1: nothing specific.
2: No, like there's, you know, usually if I have anxiety dreams, I'm just like, cause something's going on in my life, I'm anxious. Sure. About. Yeah.
1: But I'm. It was just the research, huh? I think so. Man, you're dedicated.
2: But there are also celebrity dreams. Cause, I, you know, I've talked about those before. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that I have just celebrity dreams all the time, but they're just very normal that I'm just like friends with celebrity people. But I were live.
1: they, were <laughs> they anxiety ridden last night?
2: Yes, like I was hanging out with the band Luna. Okay. Dean Wareham of Luna. All right. And there was, uh, but there was, I can't remember exactly what was going on, but you know, there was anxiety involved. Like I was trying to get somewhere and couldn't get there. And, <laughs> like the typical stupid dream stuff. Gotcha. You know? Yeah. But some, how, Dean was in there somehow. <laughs> yeah.
1: Have you talked to him today?
2: I don't know him, but, uh, I think I know why they were in there. That's all I'll say.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> wink, wink. I guess so.
2: Here's another thing that was in our own article I thought was interesting, just a little tidbit, was that, um, re- some recreational drugs like meth and ecstasy, uh, can raise brain temperatures. And right. That is one of the reasons they think that it, like, kills so many brain cells when you do those drugs.
1: Yeah, supposedly you're not supposed to take ecstasy in warm climates.
2: Yeah, never have heard that.
1: Yeah. Just Norway. Well, there you have it. Only at Svalbard. <laughs> Um, What else? Is there anything else in here? No, man. I can't believe we stretched this one out as far as we did. All righty. We never have to talk about fever dreams again, Chuck. Good. Uh, if you want to know more about fever dreams, well, you might as well start at HowStuffWorks.com. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and uh, you can also just go around and look at how sparse the research is on the internet for yourself. And if you are a researcher and you know more stuff about fever dreams that you can point us to... Let us know. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, I think I said search bar somewhere in there, which means it's time for listener mail.
2: Uh, you know what? I think another reason the anxiety dreams is because I'm barreling through the season of Fargo.
1: Uh-huh.
2: And the third season? Yeah. And the two episodes I watched last night, which I believe were, if there are 10, I think it was eight and nine, were both just like ratcheted up with tension
1: i'm sure that's what it was
2: and i think that probably had something to do with it
1: that happens to me sometimes i'll be watching something and i won't realize how on top of me it's gotten and then all of a sudden like it goes to an ad and i'm like really uptight (laughs) about like this scratch and dent washing machine sale that's going on somewhere and i don't understand why and i'm like oh wow that tv show really got to me
2: yeah i think i think fargo had something to do with it.
1: i think you may have nailed it
2: um All right, I'm going to call this one uh, Garden Variety Fan Mail, which we don't read a lot of these,
1: so I'm going to. Dig in.
2: Uh, Hey, guys, that's all this is, Fan Mail. Uh, You guys are doing a great job. Always have. It's clear that with every episode, you take great pains to provide the most accurate information you can (laughs) in the most thoughtful way possible.
1: How ironic that you would read this on the Fever Dreams episode. (laughs) Uh,
2: This has never been more evident to me than in the episodes you did on puberty. I know it's been a little while since these came out. But uh just listened to them and it was touching to see how frequently you tried to reassure young listeners what they're experiencing is normal and that there was nothing wrong about what was happening. Uh, to hear two grown men do their best to talk to young boys and girls about such sensitive material was a pleasure. Uh, yes, at times I could practically feel you nervously twitching while uh, travi- uh, trying to discuss um, menstruation in an informative yet reassuring way, but it was absolutely charming. Just reaffirm what we've always known that you two are just a pair of great dudes.
0: Oh,
1: that's nice. Yeah, I like this guy.
2: Uh, I've only been listening for a few years, but I'm a lifetime fan now. Uh, if you're keeping count, I'd like to put in a vote for DC for live shows. Uh, Josh uh E D G E E Sorry. EDGE is edge. <laughs> and then add two L's. Edgel? Edgel. Sure, yeah. Josh Edgel or Edgel? I like Edgel or Edgel. Edgel <laughs> or Edgel
1: i think edgel edgel sounds like a kid next door josh, josh edgel it's
2: josh and josh you know what we usually come to dc once a year um i don't think we're coming this year though
1: no we probably will be there early-ish 2018 you know? yeah
2: dc's always great to us so yeah. we'll, we'll definitely be back yeah soonish
1: yeah uh and you can always fly somewhere in the continental united states or canada Josh,
2: yeah. take that Asola Express up to Brooklyn. Exactly. It's a pleasure train.
1: There you go. Uh, there's rectal thermometers everywhere. <laughs> uh, if you want to see us on tour, go to sysklive.com for tickets. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at uh, Josh um, Clark or syskpodcast. You can join Chuck on facebook.com slash Bryant or slash stuff you should know. You can send us both and Jerry an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.